So of course, the best MotoGP title fight we've had in half a decade gets settled on a dodgy Michelin tire. Of course. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Dre, I'd like to um, celebrate my own prediction here. Um, not the one about the season. That one is dead. It's buried. It's gone. Let's forget about it. You'll get your die cast soon. But I picked the tires as the deciding factor. And I won. I, I can't what a argue show. with I, I can't argue with this. You hit the jackpot, Mr. Buckley, and Vegas was last week. Um, welcome to episode 486 of Motorsport 101. I am once again your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. You can tell this is the second half of a doubleheader because we're all slightly unhinged at this point. Um, but for once, MotoGP stole the show, but in a very different kind of sad kind of way this weekend because this weekend was a total shit show vegas had one day of this MotoGP arguably had three it just uh, kept getting worse oh god almighty um yeah the penultimate round of the MotoGP championship was this past weekend <laughs> in qatar and well <sighs> the good news is we have a genuine heartwarming feel-good story and a brand new winner in the top flight and that was fabio dg antonio and we'll get to him a little bit later on in the show because uh, he he is worthy of discussion in his own way and he deserves to have that in his own way but I, i'm gonna bluntly come out and say it the title fight is probably over and, which is uh, strange because they just made the new intro with peko yeah. and jorge martin standing on top of the building like they're hulk hogan and the big show wrestling sumo trucks on nitro yes I, I, yeah. I, I, as a broadcasting nerd, I love little things. I love little details like this. I did it earlier this year when MotoGP, you might remember, they had their 1,000th race earlier this year at Le Mans, and they actually they buffed up the intro by putting a bunch of historic footage in there, which is pretty cool. They, like, they've tweaked the Lightbox intro now where they've the last shot is now Martin and Banyaya on top of this giant helipad with the tower trophy either side. And it's a really cool way of summing up the title threat and the title fight. And now it's probably done uh, because uh, Jorge Martin got a duff tire. And we'll get into the details regarding that very shortly. Uh, but we have a lot of MotoGP to talk about. So let's go around the horn real quick. First up, Mr. Cameron, I'm spinning fire like Gordon Ramsay. Uh, Buckley here. How's it going, Cam? Uh, it's going. Um, you know what isn't going? Jorge Martin off the line. Ooh, 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 oh, boy. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong on that one. Um, also, we have back for a second show because he very generously stuck with us he actually had time to watch mono gp despite being in vegas so much respect to the man for that dedicated to the craft as ever mr ryan eric king hello again buddy someone's got to write the weekend recap on jalopnik somehow <laughs> <laughs> damn work it never escapes us um yes and like i, I was already strung out and tired of shit and then i, I got to sit down and was like oh god mono gp's on in, in the five o'clock in the afternoon Oh no! Um, so that that was fun. RJ O'Connell is here as well. He's um, RJ, you here, buddy? Perfectly, perfectly fine. Nothing okay. happened. I didn't have. I didn't realize I was wearing my shirt backwards this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> But as you don't know on Riverside, we record these podcasts. We do actually get the opportunity to see each other as we record these episodes. And I did not notice for the last hour and a half, RJ had his shirt on backwards. That's that, that's beautiful. Well, um, to be fair, it's like a plain like thermal shirt because it's getting cold. Did you mm. hear that in the in the northern hemisphere, it's wintertime, getting close to wintertime? <laughs> Pretty much. It's, it's, it's dark at four o'clock now in London, and I hate it. it it's, it's so affective disorder, gang. What's up? It's yeah. Yo, yo, I love four in the afternoon. It's pitch black. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that. It's Some so the better jarring. part of another month to go. 
Oh yeah, God, it, this is it, it gets worse for about three more weeks before it gets. But I think we peak around December eighteenth for that, for, for, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be bad for another three weeks. This is that. This is the small talk now. We're talking about weather on the podcast. This is how you know we're, we're down bad here. Um, so that's, that's all. How of little us. happened in this MotoGP Grand Prix as far as the racing action. Well, yeah. now hold on a second. Now, that's hold a little on. Harsh. I'll, I'll have I'll have you know I enjoyed. <laughs> when this race happened because i didn't watch it live because i was at a kylie minogue concert you hang on a minute H- hang on you watched a moto gp race in the middle of a kylie minogue concert no no afterwards on the on the oh, leg i don't know no, i was enjoying that time frame yeah that time frame oh, where, where i yes. left where i left the race and instead of going back to my hotel room to watch MotoGP, I was like, nah, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> you thought i'm gonna get some time in with kylie hmm Good man. Uh, so like, I, 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 he just, he just you, boasted uh, about doing work and then for, forgot. And then just went outed to, myself. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, why would Ryan Eric King do this? Gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> like, King's the only one not with a working camera during this episode recording. There's currently like a laser pointer targeted his head <laughs> as we speak. Um, it's it's going to be hilarious. But who doesn't yeah, I'm going to say Attitude Era. Oh, me, me too. And I, and I love Kylie, so I approve this very much indeed. Like, we Brits love us some Kylie. Like I said, didn't take off in America. More on that in the Vegas episode, um, if you haven't listened to that one already. But yes, on this episode 486, we have a lot of shit to get through. And for once, I'm not talking about it, like, metaphorically. This is literally jurassic park levels of this is a big old pile of shit shit so uh we'll talk a little about a bit about the race itself in a bit again fabio di Antonio, a brand new race winner in moto gp and he had to earn it that was that was not an easy one for him but he got there over francesco bagnaia we'll inevitably talk about jorge martin's situation as well and how quite possibly a dud tire has cost him a shot at the championship um we'll talk about fabio's future as well um we, we get to bring back for one night only, Fight Club. That is a thing. We get to bring oh, back damn. Fight Club. <laughs> oh, shit. For one week only, because Alicia Spagaro couldn't keep his hands to himself. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in the show, and we'll get to explain to King how Moto 3's title decider ended up getting all toxic thanks to Leopard Racing. So that we don't talk about Moto 3 on this show very much anymore, but uh, this will be fun. I thought it was just a poorly applied sticker. I didn't know it went further than that. Yeah, no, this was so bad, we are, have now been forced to dedicate a third of this episode to Moto 3. That never happens anymore. So uh, we have to talk about it. It used to happen because it was good, not bad. Yeah, look. My colleague, Mr. Simon Patterson at the race, literally put an entire dedicated article to Moto3 on the race's website. This never happens. Ever. <laughs> so this is how this is how big a deal it was. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But basically you can find <clears> this real quick because I'm keen to get going on this one. Dre underscore WTF1 on Twitter, C Buckley917, RJ O'Connell, and Ryan Eric King for our personal handles. The podcast itself, you can find at motorsport underscore one oh one or at motorsport101pod on Instagram, and of course the website, motorsport101.com, for all of our episodes and content, as well as the blog section where I'll be writing with flames coming off my fingers in regard to the Moto3 title decider and everything that happened in Qatar, literally the moment this show goes off the air as we record it, so that'll be fun. It'll be out by the time this episode goes out, so do check that out. If you really like us, you can back us financially as well on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our episodes before they go live to the public. You can upgrade to the $10 tier to get into the supporters club of our, of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they are being recorded thank you very much for if you want to choose to back us on there we appreciate you very much right penultimate round of the moto gp season the, the, the normally the season opener this time it was in qatar the back end of the year let's do it moto gp in qatar right after this fellas it was, uh, so in the sprint, right? Jorge Martin does what Jorge Martin's been doing lately. He wins another sprint and he cuts that lead down to Francesco Bagnaia, down to seven points. Seven points, heading yeah. Heading into Grand Prix Sunday. This title fight is on, and then in 40 minutes, it was not. 
The penultimate round of the MotoGP World Championship ended up with a shock winner as neither of them but Fabio Antonio of Grassini Racing beat world champion Francesco Bagnaia to take his first premier class victory after a heated battle, which means Grassini Racing is now on a two-race win streak in La Salle. Paco tried an immediate counterattack but made very light contact with DG's bike and ran wide at turn one, bending one of his front arrow forks and making the championship leader settle for second and take the points. But it was an easy sell, with Jorge Martin struggling. Again, despite winning the sprint, this is how he's been able to almost kill Francesco Bagnaia by death 5,000 cuts, but he got a terrible start, and he finished 10th as he sunk and sunk down the order of what he thinks was a dud tire from supplier Michelin. It was very telling that Pramac shut his garage the second they wheeled their bike back. Of course, MotoGP still had the onboard camera turned on, but I think that was funny. <laughs> the the most sicko of sicko behavior, whoever was in the control of the feed, I salute you. Dre, Unhinged. Unhinged. Dre, Dre, are we done here? We're done here. It feels it's, like we're done here. It, 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 it sucks. The gap's now 21 points with 37 available, 12 for the sprint, 25 for the Grand Prix. Banyai has got one hand and four fingers on the title after this one. It's, it's such a shame, generally speaking. I mean, look, some cool stats to get out of the way. This, this is the fifth different winner we've had in the last five races. Amazingly, all on Ducatis. If you go back to, to, to Indonesia, you've got, you can go Banyai, Zarco, Martin, <laughs> Martin, Bastianini in Malaysia, and now DJ Antonio. We've had five different winners in the last five races, um, in, 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 which is weird that, that we've even, even gotten to this point. Oh, and by the way, unless DJ Antonio wins the last race in Valencia as well, this will be the first time since 1949 that we're not going to have a back-to-back -back race winner in MotoGP in a season. Cam, Cam, ask me this. In a year where we have been going, where we have been talking, and very justifiably so, about how bad the product of racing MotoGP has gotten with uncontained aero, whole shot devices, tires that aren't fit for purpose, and we'll talk that. But how is it that we have gotten so many different winners and so much variety out of this season? Because you've got eight guys on the best bike in the field, and yeah. all of them can ride on their day. Um, as it turns out, the answer to fixing Fabio Digi Antonio was firing him. Oh, that is um, peak Jorge Lorenzo and Ducati. That, that is ultra Jorge Lorenzo. I mean, he's been rock solid. He's gotten a podium. Now he's got a win, and he had to take it, rip it by force out of Banyaya's hands. <clears throat> I will say Peko Banyaya is, um, he's a silly person. And he just about turned this title fight back into a title fight with that final lunge on Fabio. Um, had arrow damage to the front of his bike. Brought it home in second. Um, I actually think he had the arrow damage beforehand. I think that's one of the reasons why he couldn't get the bike stopped. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> you don't beat Banyaya in a one-on-one -on -one dogfight easily. Uh, I'd argue there's probably no tougher feat in one day. The man is a breaking savant. Yeah, and it's it, Fabio found a way to get it done. It was that long sweeping left hander before the final corner. He just got a better run and shut the door in Banyaya's face. Banyaya tried that immediate counter, couldn't get it stopped, and that was that. Was that. And uh, look, this wasn't a fluke. Fabio Di Antonio has been fast for the last six, seven weeks. Um, he's, you know, he's had a podium finish. He's contended. He was right there with Martin in the sprint race as well. It was only half a second so he had behind pace all him. weekend. Yeah, pace all weekend. This was not a fluke. This this was genuine pace from from, from Fabio Di Antonio all, all weekend long. And, and look, from Grassini even. I mean, Dre, the last yeah. couple of weeks, Grassini have been cooking, you know, They've been cooking, yeah. Of the teams on the GP22, they have completely displaced VR46 fighting at the front. You forget Alex Marquez had his best MotoGP weekend only a week ago in, in Sepang, where he won, he won the sprint, and he was... He was in right the fight there. here. 
it was in, it was in the fight for the for the Grand Prix. It was in the fight in this race weekend as well. He was challenging for the podium spot that eventually uh, went to Luca Marini. Very good weekend from him as well, by the way, Luca. Um, you know, a pair of third places on the weekend as well for the VR Force. And the VR Force are not totally dead yet. Um, yeah. but I don't, I don't know so what Bez was that, on the weekend. I say that that collarbone completely took the wind out of Bez's season because he's just he's clearly not riding at a hundred percent. No. Why not Bez campaign had a good run in 2023 and <laughs> could still go in 2024. But, you know, I talked about last week about how Luca Marini and Fabio DJ Antonio would not be the dudes to help bring Repsol Honda up. They are 12th and 13th options. But today they were exceptional, and especially Fabio DJ Antonio, who we are always fond of saying uh, on this show, if the first thing you talk about when someone is out the door is how nice of a person they are. It probably means they weren't fit for purpose. But today, Fabio Antonio, one of the nicest people in that paddock, as Dre will attest to, as everybody will attest to in this paddock, was the best rider on that Sunday night. You know and what the real, the, the real shame for me is that if he had been doing, if he had been in his Phillip Island form <laughs> onwards, if he had been in that form at any point in the last two years, he probably wouldn't be losing his ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you want to chip in there for a second there, King? Yeah, like, just to add on, that he had a tremendous ride. And like you said, if you're going wheel-to-wheel, toe-to-toe with the reigning world champion, you're talented. Yeah, it's 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 beat such he be beat him straight up. Banya has not been beaten in a one-on-one dogfight very much at all this season in general. So for Fabio to do that and do it convincingly was a testament to how like not only how well he is riding, but also and I mentioned him before, Frankie Karcecki, who has done a fantastic job as his crew chief in the back half of this season. To put to put it into perspective, for the first 34 starts in his Grand Prix career, the first season and two-thirds, I would argue, he had never finished a Grand Prix higher than eighth, had one freak pole position earlier this year in Magello when the lightning came down just miles from the track. He was 20th in the championship last year on the GP21. We thought this guy was toasted. And the sad thing is, is that he's likely left it too late now to justify his own employment because um, the the way the tea leaves are being read, we, we now know that it's looking very much like Luca Marini will go to Repsol Honda next year. Um, that's waiting to be announced. Amazingly, we are set... At time of recording, we are seven days out from the Valencia test and we still don't know who's riding the second Repsol Honda officially yet. That's crazy. Which is wild to me. Um, it's looking like Marini will head over there. That means there's one seat left on the grid and it's the second VR46 bike. Um, and for all the hype about how brilliantly Fabio Di Antonio has ridden in the last six or seven races, which he has, no question... There is another, and that other is looking like it's going to be Fermin Aldeguer, who dominated the Moto2 race. It's his third win in a row he's in Moto2. He's been hotter than fish grease for a month. He's been hotter <laughs> than fish grease, and he's got an agent that's being, that's <laughs> testing you up to any agent in the paddock that wants him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, if, nothing else, if nothing else, Kid is very fast. He's very fast. <laughs> He is still only 18 years of age. He's a baby in biking terms right now. And as Cam says, he's hotter than fish grease. He's just won three. Like, you know how hard it is to win three Moto2 races in a row these days? It's virtually and, and, impossible. And two of them were utter flattenings of the field. Yeah, like, we, it's. I make a Dragon Ball joke about this during the weekend that Fermin Aldegar's recent form was like when Gohan briefly goes Super Saiyan 2 in the hyperbolic time chamber and then immediately passes out. You could see the promise the, of what. The potential. Of, the potential of what he could be for a split second. And this is that split second right now where he is running this field over in Moto 2. And that's precisely the problem. Fabio Di Antonio doesn't fit what VR46 is trying to do. They want to bring through their own riders, ideally, and Fabio is a member of the academy, but he's also kind of on the older side of that academy now. Like, VR46, and Uccio specifically, has always made it clear he wants younger riders to filter through that team. He wants to develop the next generation of Grand Prix motorcycle racer, and Aldeguer fits that mold a lot more than Di Antonio does. 
And that's unfortunate. Apparently, Tony Arbolino is not out of the running for that seat either, who's had a very, very good Moto2 season of his own. Championship runner-up almost certainly this year. Um, he's in contention as well. And a MotoGP race winner this year is likely going to be out of a job. And uh, that is wild about how the timing of this has all played out. <laughs> well, and the problem for him is going to be with that massive silly season brewing for next year. Mm. I mean, there's going to be a, every seat that's going to be up for grabs. He's going to be last in line because you've got Mark Marquez is on a one-year contract. Fabio Quartararo is on the last year of his contract. Peko Benyaya, not that I think he's going anywhere. No. Last year of his contract. Yeah. So the, there's a the, lot of people in front of him in the in the queue. And he's left it too late, I feel. Dude, it's it's crazy. Because, like, I think back uh, to Nets, you're right. Let's say DJ Antonio gets the sad kickback down to Moto2. You think he pretty much has to win and dominate that championship to get another crack at MotoGP? Rightly or wrongly, it feels like if you're dropped back down to Moto2... A lot of people are going to look at you like damaged goods. Yeah, it's if you go down to that class, it's very rare you come back up. Only a couple of people in recent years have ever managed to pull that off, like like, like a Mika Calio or a Thomas Luti. Um, of course, did it. Yeah, but that was a, that, that was like mid two thousands though. Like, I say, we were a, still on two strokes in the lower classes at that time. It's it's a different sport now, where like oh, everyone's yeah. everyone's now looking for the next Mark Marquez. And it's like the, the the age of the gatekeeper, the Thomas Luti, the Dominique Agata, the you know the the Mika Callios, all solid as hell riders, all experienced, good veteran riders. They're kind of being turfed to one side because everyone's out looking for gold. They're, they're shuffling looking for the person you want to build around for the next nine to ten years. Yeah. And Aldeguer's got a much better chance of potentially being that guy than Fabio Di Giantonio does right now. And don't get me wrong, it's sad. I'm, I'm gutted for Fabio because I'm, I'm gutted that he's finally been able to figure it out, but he's likely left this just too late. The guy is talented. The guy clearly has something. You don't win a race in MotoGP in this era by chance. Like it's like he's and this and it's not even really a fluke either in the sense of because the last four or five rounds he's been fantastic. He's genuinely found something. He's Absolutely. genuinely been one of the quickest guys in the field since Phillip Island. Also, King, I got to mention you because you're here as well, King. Did you see what happened on the dashboard of of, of Fabio's bike when there were five laps to go? No, what did it say with five to go? Um, mapping eight. Oh does that ring, no! <laughs> does, does that does that ring any bells to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but okay, now, for those who don't know, I'll, I'll very quickly explain. Back in 2016, when Andrea Davizioso, 2017, sorry, 2017, when Andrea Davizioso at Ducati was challenging Mark Marquez for the championship, Jorge Lorenzo had a bad first season in Ducati. He was not a title contender, and they were racing. At the front of the field in Sepang, it was a pissing wet day in, in Malaysia. Lorenzo is leading the race with, with Davizioso second. They tell Lorenzo on the dashboard, mapping eight. And that is a message that meant team orders, pull over for your teammate. Um, a message that Lorenzo cho chose to ignore. Um, it Repeatedly. didn't matter. Up yeah. until he crashed. Yeah, until he crashed in the final round in Valencia. He always ignored that message. Andrea Davizioso took matters into his own hands anyway and passed him for the win in Sepang and then in Valencia crashed on his own volition trying to win the title anyway and failed. But <clears> as soon as I saw mapping eight come up on the dash, I was like, uh-oh, uh, what, what, what does that mean? Uh, apparently, and I, I, he has confirmed this on his Twitter account since then, the, the, since then that Fabio's crew chief, Frankie Karcecki, said, look, I just wanted to tell fabio when he had five laps to go we just chose that we, we, we just chose we just chose that as the message okay, <laughs> okay bro yeah yeah Mar mark weber uh, uh, seb multi 21 21 laps to go I same love, energy i love tro i love trolling <clears throat> my rider that is going for a first career win with this fight, fighting for his life with the reigning <laughs> world champion down his neck 
I love that. Fr- Frankie, if you're listening to this show, we salute you. Tremendous trolling. World-class trolling. As soon as I saw that, I saw that and I shit myself. Apparently, I'll let you in a little inside secret. As soon as that message came out on TV, my colleague at the race, Simon Patterson, immediately sent Frankie a text saying, is that what I think it means? And he said, don't worry. <laughs> which 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 is fucking with you um yeah genius frankie well played my friend genius stuff love it um let's talk about the title fight real quick because uh we, we got to talk about this because would banai would go on to take second place he took a comfortable second in the end as mentioned jorge martin was down in 10th and he had the race from hell um he it started got- instantly didn't it like worst case scenario if you're Jorge Martin, step one, get a terrible start with a right height device and almost knocking you off your bike meters after you start. Step two, have Francesco Bagnaia take the whole shot. Bad, bad, bad. Um, now then we get to part three. The tires. He didn't the make turn one for like several laps in a row. Yeah, it, it, it like, just never looked like his bike was in the track per se it's it's brutal in that sense where we could see that the lead group had started to pull away it was Banyaya, DG Antonio Marini, Alex Marquez they had all broken away early doors, that was the top four I think Brad Binder had gone with themselves to make it a top five basically, Lord Binder still chugging for the non-Jacati alliance um, but um, yeah. the guy king <laughs> Brad Binder still trying to pass some fucking bikes. Um, <clears throat> God, God bless. Look, 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 look at it this way, King. As a side note, your man is still the best championship runner that's not in a Ducati. It's a plus. <laughs> but there's so silence many is <laughs> These, oh, these iconics are good. Anyway. <laughs> Martin's in that second group in P5, and you can see the gap on the timing tower get bigger, like 1.1, 1.3, 1.5, and it's like, you're starting to realize he's not going to catch this lot. It's all he has. This is all he's got. He's fading fast, and Maverick Vinales passes him, and, you know. Passes him like like his engine had failed. Went yeah. screaming past. Um, for, it's just the body language of the bike and the body language of him and the fact that he passed Mark Marquez, who, again, flames coming out of his eyes, trying to rip everything left that this Honda has to give out of it. Mm. And he can't get away from him. Johan Zarco is trying so hard not to ask past him. Yeah. <laughs> Zarko eventually like is is right there with him. He, like, like Martin spends most of the race fighting with Mark Marquez, and Mark Marquez hates Qatar. It doesn't suit the Honda at all, and they were fighting for tenth place. Yeah, he couldn't get away from Mark. There was a couple instances where I mean, Mark almost rode into the back of him mm. just on the brakes because Martin could not get the thing around the corners. There was one stage where he was he was slamming his head. On the yeah, fuel he, tank of the bike, lo- he, out of his mind. Yeah, it had been a tough weekend for Martin all the way through, where he was struggling in practice. He went on strike at one point over his rear tire, ironically, saying, "I'm not going to go out on this bike again until you change the rear tire." There was a lot of almost, almost paranoia setting in regarding the camp and how nervous Martin looked because look, he's a very emotional guy. He has his heart on his sleeve. He he can't hide his own frustration. We could yep. all see it on the cameras all over as the weekend went on. He qualified in fifth. He salvaged that, which is weird for Martin, given he's so fast over a single lap. The pace wasn't there in qualifying. And then you could see him shake his head, hitting his, like he was headbutting his fuel tank in frustration because he knew the jig was up at, the, at that point. And the, you may have seen it, King, but by the time he was going over, he immediately, when he crossed the line, looked, looked, looked back at his rear tyre. And was like, what the hell was going on back there? It was yeah. um, just startling. Yeah, it, it it was kind of weird to watch because you, 
<laughs> he immediately showed he had no pace. Like, literally, just, just no launch, no nothing. Dude was screwed from the start. Yeah, no curveball, I mean, no changeup, and no gas. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, he never showed any... I mean, even on lap one, it's like he couldn't get the bike through the corners to fight with people, and... Well... Things were said after this race. Ooh. And I will say, he's not the only one who has an axe to grind with the Michelin man. No, the, he absolutely Staring does not. Staring into his cold, empty eyes, the eyes of a psychopath. Yeah. Um, he got off the bike, rode it into the pits, garage down like this is out of Le Mans 99, and it's the six Mercedes. Sorry, King. <laughs> Um, Michelin has cost me a championship, effectively. Yes, it was, uh, it, it, it was worth, uh, it, it, it was rough out there. Um, just, oh boy. Um, yeah, just said Michelin is, Michelin has fucked me out of a championship, is what he basically said. Um, um, he said the bike was a dog. Um, because he was fighting with Mark Marquez, which is understandable given the situation. Um, it said sarcastically after the race, it seems like I forgot how to ride. <laughs> um, um, man, I, I've got the quote here. I think you could see already in the start when my rear tires started spinning, it was like a stone. Normally, this happens when the track is dirty, it wasn't because it was the grid. And when the tire has maybe 30 laps on it, and it didn't, because it was new. So, you can guess what happened, I think. Yeah, and even Banyaya openly admitted in the post-race press conference, sometimes these things just happen. Like, it's, I mean, he looked it... off on the sprint, because the rear of Banyaya's bike in the sprint was pumping. Yeah. With, the, with that ride height device on the back, because the rear tire wasn't working on his bike in the sprint. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Michelin's officially commented saying, "Look, we we need time to analyze the tires." The first investigation we said said shows there was nothing wrong, but the riders know in this sport that occasionally you get a dud tire. What was it, Johan Mir? A couple of years ago, basically laid Michelin open for all to see after yeah. a race where he just had no pace, no grip, and I think he actually went down in that race because he had a dud tire. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It's like it's like if Mechachrome, who don't make all the engines for the Formula 2 and 3 series, it's just like, yeah, sometimes these drivers just accept that we give them dud engines. It's crazy. Can we also... Well, they do. Something? Yeah. But they're not, but they're too prideful. They're too prideful to admit it is the thing. I also want to cut something off the pass here. This is this is a case of incompetence, not malice. Michelin is not getting the call from Dorna to make sure that a satellite rider doesn't win this world championship. Yeah, no. Dorna selects the tires at random for every rider from every batch. So a conspiracy is nigh on impossible. But once again, and we've been talking about this more or less since they came back into the sport in 2016. You have to question Michelin's quality control procedures if this is still going on. It's been, what, are they, what are they doing on bikes that they're not doing in cars or vice versa? Uh, well, um, bikes are a whole different animal, and especially when these bikes are putting more load and more lateral G through the tire than has ever been on a motorcycle but ever. You put, but you can put in similar quality control practices, can't you? Should You'd be think. able to. <laughs> You'd think? <laughs> and yeah, as a direct result of that, it's a 21-point lead for Banyaya with only 37 on the table. Uh, if if Banyaya wins the sprint in Valencia on Saturday, Martin has to finish second, otherwise it's over. Uh, right there and then. So yeah, it's... Um, not ideal. Uh, it's 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 a real shame because ironically, he's now hoping he's now hoping for Pecco to put it on the floor in the Grand well, Prix. Well, Pecco almost did. That's got to be the thing that he's looking at is that he almost threw it away trying to get back at DJ Antonio, um, and was lucky that Qatar basically has the longest runoff on the entire grid going off into turn reason? one. 
It's good. there for a very good reason. We were cracking 220 miles per hour for fun. Yes. This racetrack. Um, in fact, in fact they, they cut an onboard with Banyaya as this incident happened. He hit 353 kilometers an hour, which is 220 in, uh, normal. in King's English. In King's English. Um, yeah. Normal motorcycles were riding here. Mm-hmm. Banyaya really needs to get his head dead bolted onto his shoulders. He did not need to do that. If he <laughs> we'll say it again. We said it before, we'll say it again. Just take the points. Just take the points and you're champion. So we're, not kick, we're, not kicking, we're not kicking field goals here. We are going for it on fourth down for every single drive. Dan Campbell, he, baby. <sighs> he might go for it on fourth and fifty and end up getting end up losing that ball. Fucking great Just, down there on that apex somewhere. <laughs> for the Ducati, maybe. Yeah. Um it's taken pretty much all the wind out of it. And I mean, I expect Valencia to be the filthiest of filthy air fests. Mm. That track was hard enough to pass at when they had no arrow. Yeah, it's 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 arguably the most technical track that MotoGP races at these days. Um, I believe it's something like eight out of the last 12 Valencia Grand Prix have been one lights to flag. Yeah, so qualifying the- is ultra critical here. Um, not only uh, for the obvious reason of gets you ahead for the sprint. I mean, Martin basically needs to do what he's been doing in the sprint and then pray. That's his only option. Yeah. It's now in Stoke's required mode, as I uh, yeah. would say in Billard Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dre, let's talk about something a little more upbeat. Let's talk about like slap fights. On motorcycles. Let's talk about Fight Club. Let's talk about Road Rash. For one night only, Fight Club is back on Motorsport One. And we brought it back just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Fight Club is back in the house because we had some beef during FP3. It was a bit of a headlining moment. Um, Frankie Morbidelli is uh, dawdling on the racing line going into that. slow left-hand hairpin on the back end of the track. Um, and he comes into Alicia Spargaro. Alicia Spargaro was uh, blocked in the middle of a quick lap because Frankie was on the racing line. It ruins Alicia's lap. Now, we all know Alicia is a... Um, what's the best way of me putting this? Heated passionate. character. Yeah, a passionate character. Passionate. Yes, no filter. So, he has no filter. He pulls up alongside Morbidelli. Morbidelli is bemused as to, as to why Aleish is so hot about this. Aleish is livid, and he then goes to slap the man on the front of the helmet um, as he rides past him in frustration at the fact his lap has been ruined and blocked. Um, the stewards did not take kindly to this. They uh, reviewed the incidents after the session. They gave Aleish a six-place grid penalty um for the grand prix and a ten thousand euro fine um for bringing the sport into disrepute um over that helmet slap that good it's not great it's they'll actually put a dent in their wallet um was this justified for the crime is what i say here don't all rush in at once feathers now (laughs) now look the motorsport that I grew up with, it's it's defining moment that began its rise, commentated by the now departed Ken Squire. Rest in peace to the great Ken Squire, of course, by the way. <laughs> Extraordinary man. Go watch some of his clips. It was two people throwing hands having lost a race. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't talk about the race we're not talking about the race when it actually we're talking matters. about practice we're talking about practice talk about this practice. is a triple reference i like this um Beautiful. meta <laughs> a six place grid drop for a helmet slap we've seen people go bowling and get away with nothing in the sport this year <sighs> look and the thing is right 
people get heated all the time about fight sports, about, about sports fights in general, right? Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little <laughs> secret again here. My colleague who hosts the Bring Back V10s podcast, Glenn Freeman. Glenn, I know you're listening. I love you, buddy. Um, I promise. Uh, I know I, I get away with mentioning this. He was calling for a relationship. He just tossed out of the whole weekend for that. People get mad about sports fights. They really do. It's like, can't have violence, can't have this. Look, they were traveling at like four miles an hour. I wouldn't I wouldn't call this dangerous per se. Yes, it's a bit of road rash, but honestly, I thought the penalty was fine. Yeah. Is it, it, is it worse than, you know, the first Ramada Fanati incident? Or the second no. one, the one we all think of. Yeah, because no. it's like it's nowhere close to like Ramada Fanati squeezing the handlebars. It's nowhere no. close. Like, to- you're, you're not putting someone's life in danger because Fanati was on both occasions. Um, ironically, ironically, uh, Aspargaro, as a direct result of this, then lined up next to Morbidelli on the grid. Yeah, that's crazy. Funny. Yeah, that was that was that was eminent beef after the fact as well because uh, they asked Frankie Morbidelli about it, and Morbidelli said, "Ah, oh, it's not a surprise to me. He's he's had many a moment like this where he shows his immaturity. Wonder what he'll tell his kids. <laughs> Throw his kids into it. I'm like, whoa, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's like I love that. I love that both of them crossed the unwritten rules. You don't bring, you don't throw hands with somebody, and you don't mention somebody else's wife or kids." Uh, like still did both (laughs) two and one two and one two and one i mean king how do you feel about this because like you know we're we're big sports nuts here and how did you feel about it uh mike king (laughs) like the grid drop feels a bit unorthodox like uh, it feels it does feel harsh, but I do understand there needs to be some kind of punishment and something more than a fine. Like, uh, right? I I probably this was I'd probably say was, maybe three places, like one row, but like six. <laughs> it feels like they did this as a deterrent. Yeah. So, but no also this was. This was a bigger deterrent than we've had for ludicrously irresponsible riding this year. Yeah. It's like, where's yeah. the line? Where's the line? <laughs> this had, is what you punish? We had riders stop on the on a live track during qualifying the same day, and they were fined 500 euros. And Alasia Spargaro got six places on the grid for slapping a dude's helmet. I it, it, like I'm not saying you can't punish him for what he did, which is understandable. It's a bad look for the sport when when people are throwing hands on 225 mile an hour motorcycles. That I understand, um, and I completely disagree with, with the people that get really twisted about about fighting in sports, saying, "Oh, we got you got to throw the strongest possible penalty." He's like, "I'm not a believer in that because I think most of the people that argue for that have never been in a fight in their lives." Um, they do not engage in fisticuffs, um, and that, and that's generally why I believe that's the case. However, six seems a bit excessive to me, uh, and like, like a, a ten thousand euro fine, like that is that's We're a, that's your wallet. A, We're hitting that's your a, bike. That's a lot of cash. Like holy hell! Um, like these are F one uh... drivers. <laughs> And besides, the universe decided to strike him down for it anyway because he was involved in an incident in the sprint and broke his fibula. Yeah. Poor, then poor tried Mige- to ride on it. Poor Miguel Oliveira pl- uh, missed his breaking point in turn six and just plowed into Aspargaro's leg. He went over the top. Bastianini was collected by it as well. Oliveira out for the rest of the season with a broken scapula. The, he's broken the shoulder blade. The exact same injury that put Enea Bastianini on the shelf for five months. Dre, that is a guarantee Dan that we will n- <laughs> a guarantee that we will not have a fully healthy permanent MotoGP grid this year. We are not going to have the full grid because that's, I mean, that's way past the end of the season. That's testing. That's going to be affecting Oliveira into the Sepang text uh, test next year. Um, yeah. that takes time. 
that is something you cannot ride through as a as a motorcycle rider period let alone a moto gp rider you don't want to ride through a broken shoulder blade or it's never going to heal you're never going to have power in that arm um alicia spargaro broke the head of his fibula in that leg and tried to ride through it in the grand prix lost feeling in his foot due to compartment syndrome oh oh um and no we'll see if that goes anywhere because yes he's you gotta give that time to heal ideally yeah that kind of swelling can destroy your leg just ask mcdewan um and anea bastianini someone give this man a hug and some chocolate milk Give him some chalky uh, milk. This that is man's a, had a season from hell. Yeah. It, 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 he got one win. One win in an otherwise objectively horrible season, and most of it has not been his fault. Yeah. Just horrible stuff all around, really. Yeah. Nasty remnants of Fight Club. Um, obviously, get well soon, Miggy, as well. That's brutal. But uh, I... I, I Look, we in M101 literally created Fight Club as a segment for a reason. We think fighting in sports is largely funny. Um, so we're not going to sit here as and... As long as nobody gets hurt. Seriously, it's hurt. It's Yeah. Um, well, I think that's all the toxicity that uh, we have. Oh, no. Shane, you had a question earlier in this podcast. Yep. What was that question? No, no, it was it was before we started recording. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was. Uh, what, what happened in Moto Three? Well, what didn't happen in Moto Three? Okay. Oh so, God. Th- th- Trey, this is where, I'm gonna this hand is... you. I'm gonna hand you the pan. I'm gonna hand you the spices. I'm gonna let you cook. Okay, narrator Dre here has come here to explain to Mr. Ryan Eric King as to why we're having a Moto Three segment on our Moto GP podcast. This doesn't normally happen. Uh, because of time constraints. But for this occasion, we thought we're going to be special. Um, okay. So, Moto3 situation is there are, it's, it's a two man championship fight now at this point. Jao Messia for the Leopard Racing is leading the championship. Um, I think I want to say by, I wanted to say by, I wonder it was like 13 points or something like that going into this race, which means he's got his first match point for the championship. If he wins the Moto3 race, Ayumu Sasaki, the other major contender left at this point, had to finish on the podium to keep a slim chance of winning the title alive. With me so far? Good. Yep. So during the race, it breaks out early days into a standard Moto3 race where it's a leading group of about 19, 20 riders in the first few laps. It's hard to break away as always. So it's a big old pack to start us off with, Peloton style, as, as, as you do. Now, at one point, Ayumu Sasaki is ahead of Jao Messia on the road. I think they're fighting for about 4th or 5th place at this point. Um, and into the slow turn 6 left-hander, Jao Messia dive-bombs Sasaki, but not in a conventional way. It's a it's an extreme dive-bomb. He completely misses his it's, breaking it's a, point. It's a block pass into a sweeper, which yes, you usually it, do not see. Yeah, like it's for Moto Three, it just doesn't happen at all very often. Where he's completely, he's not even tried to steer the bike, oh. and he's ran himself and Sasaki very, very wide off the corner to to, to hit Sasaki where it hurts, and he's put him further down the field. Messias dropped in about fifth or sixth. Sasaki's about ninth or tenth. A couple of laps later, he does it again. Yeah, Ex- Sasaki catches back up to him. Carbon copy. Yeah. Now, and Masia again dive bombs him, doesn't even try to make the corner, runs him all the way off to the extreme of the track, hits Sasaki again. A few laps later, is um Jao Masia's teammate at Leopard Racing, um Adrian Fernandez, yes, Raul's little brother. Um he catches up to Sasaki on the road and he does the exact same thing at the sector four hairpin at the back end of the track. Now hold the up, lim- hold up, hold up. Hmm. We don't have team radios. No, we don't. Nope. Nope. They we do not. Had, like, they would have had that game plan this ahead of time. Yep. Ah. <laughs> yep. You, you, you see where you, I'm going you, with you, this? You, you, you've hit the nail on the head, my friend. 
Yes, Fernandez deliberately runs Sasaki wide at the penultimate corner and then does it again a lap later at the final corner where we know you can't pass anybody there cleanly. But he just dive bombs the inside of Sasaki, knocks him back to tenth on the road with a lap and a half to go. Sasaki rides his nuts off trying to get back to the lead group, can only manage sixth. Jao Messia is at the front of the queue. He goes on to win the race and the championship by doing so. Um, he does his usual title celebrations. And during the Moto2 race, where the Moto3 press conference is held, um, Messia would more or less admit he did it on purpose. Um, yeah. Said a quote, I did what I needed to do, and he got it. And this is with the, the bunch of his Leopard employees in the press conference room laughing their heads off at the fact that Messia had basically admitted to bumping Sasaki off the road on purpose. Now, in case you're wondering, where, where were the stewards in all of this? The stewards gave Messia a warning after the second incident for dangerous conduct, but he was not penalized. Yes, and the quote to that was, I saw some messages from Race Direction, but honestly, I don't care too much. Wowie. So, just straight up ignored warnings from Race Control, knowing that, yeah, I'm not going to get penalized for this, so. Well, the second time he did it, it dropped him far enough back that then his teammate took up the mantle at running him off the road oh. twice. It's almost, we're almost certain that this was intentional and there was a game plan from Leopard Racing going into this race. Take Sasaki out of the equation at all costs, basically, was what that was. Um, and it worked. Masia um, got back to the front of the queue, won the race. Sasaki was sick. Game over. So Jao Masia is your, your 2023 Moto3 world champion. Um, and yeah, MotoGP's fans shit all over this. What? Yeah. Um, Dude, that band better not be planning any trips to Japan anytime soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. This was... Uh, you like, know? Uh, it's it's reprehensible. And I need, like, if we're in the top class, if we're, say, Formula One or NASCAR, it would be it would be a, a con like a controversy that would put the sport as a whole in into disrepute. And NASCAR would just be another like playoff race. No, no. Well, it, no, in it, NASCAR, it, it, it's it, happened yeah. before in NASCAR where it, people have played the team game and NASCAR has sat their asses for multiple races as a result. Yeah. Cause even in NASCAR, it's, it's, if you're going to go out there and take someone out, you do it yourself. You, if you let your teammate do it for you, there are repercussions. Yeah. Um, you know, once you can put down to incompetence, the second time in the we same did. spot, in the same way, you can put down to malice. The third and fourth times you go, you, you, are we not going to do anything about this? Yeah. Fernandez was prepared to compromise his own race to make sure Sasaki was hit hard enough so he couldn't come back and try and win. It's that simple. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's I mean, there's no, there's no ambiguity to it. He said as much. He laughed it off. Yeah. His because team was laughing right alongside him. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing, and it's the first time Leopards won a world title since the days of Danny Kent. Remember him? Um, oh, you actually don't. Yoan Mir won the Moto Three title for Leopard as well on, on with Leopards. So they they have they have a, they have a knack of winning Moto Three titles, but not via dirty riding. Like un honestly, it's appalling from Leopard, and that they, they are laughing in the press conference room with pride that... Um, they left no plausible deniability to this. No, they knew exactly what they were doing because they won, and like, it, it's... It's reprehensible. It's, 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 it's terrible, the, what they've done, and I, I'm, I'm very glad, at least, that the sport has rallied around Ayumu Sasaki, who understandably rode his nuts off trying to save the title. Mick Doohan went out of his way to reach out to Ayumu Sasaki on Instagram and said, you rode like a champion out there. We're really sorry this happened to you. Um, and look, like, for as much as people derided his dominance in the 90s, when Mick Doohan speaks, people sit up and listen.
Oh yeah, hundred percent. The, the the comment section was littered with riders who know how excellent a talent Ayumu Sasaki is. Jake Dixon is one of his best friends. He said he said he was he's incredibly proud of him. Dennis Onshu, who's one of the most outspoken people in bike racing, gave him the love heart emoji to Sasaki. To, to, you know, they knew. They all knew what was going on here. Like it's 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 appalling. There's there's no other way to describe it. It's appalling. And I'm sorry, the stewards bottled this big time. Yeah, because what have we talked about at length on this show and every series we cover? If you give them the leeway, drivers and riders are going to use it. And if yep. you don't stop them doing something shitty that is of benefit to them, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And in this case, there was no penalty given for... I mean, by the second time, you could tell something was up. When the other bike wearing the same colors then does it again, twice. Dorna, has, like the, the stewards, has a responsibility to step in and say, "Okay, what's going on here?" Which, and they were throwing out double long lap penalties during this race, like M and M's for other incidents. They knew what they were doing. Like Dennis Onchu jumped the start, was given a double long lap immediately. Uh, Ivan Otola took took. Diego Moreira out of the race early on, and he was given a, a double long lap penalty for irresponsible riding. So it wasn't like it wasn't like there wasn't a precedent set during this race. There absolutely was, but they think they chose. Do you think they chose to look the other way? I think there's a very strong possibility they decided we're not going to get involved in the title fight and leave it. Yeah, but uh, we talk about this in other series where race officials feel like we don't want to get involved but that creates an environment where you are you are affecting the championship yeah. because you're allowing the contenders to do whatever they want yeah you are involving yourself by deviating from the norm of your stewarding yeah, um i feel left it, you left it open for exploitation and, and look he was you were right on the money dre he was 13 points ahead I mean, there's a good chance he wins the title anyway. They didn't need that to bull, do this. That bullshit is not necessary. And I feel Look. so bad for Sasaki because I'm with you. I'm, I think he's in that top 1% of raw talent. I think he's got a... This, this is not the last championship he fights for. That no, I can guarantee be. you. No, like but, he's, a very, he's a very talented guy. All I wanted to say here as well is that you're absolutely right. Look, say what you will about what Messiah did. He won this race outright. He won it fair and square. Like, he, he he compromised his own race in doing what he did, and he still won anyway. Jao Messiah didn't need to do this. We know he's a quality Moto freerider. He's won multiple races in the class. He's, he's won the championship. You know, he's been a contender in years past as well. Jao Messiah didn't need to do this. And ironically, if... if by all accounts, he had a big bitch about Tatsuki Suzuki's riding after the race as well. Amazing. His former teammate, my, may I add. Start them. And yeah, I could, couldn't agree more with, with King. Like, inaction can also be action in cases like this. And I don't like this attitude where stewards feel like they can't decide they can't decide the championship in the, in, in, in the stewards' office. Look, if someone breaks the rules and rides irresponsibly, you throw the book at them. This is Moto3. People have died over irresponsible riding in this class. I cannot stress this enough. This is the one series where you need to throw the book at these people. And in a title decider, you sat on your hands? What? <sighs> Why do I have to leave this sport frustrated week after week after week? I say, dude, dude, dude has bitched about his own teammates in the past because Suzuki wasn't riding this weekend. And then he goes and does that. Appalling. And I, honestly, I, I am I don't normally endorse angry comments on the internet, but I am glad that the internet is shit on this from a great height. Because it's deserved. Um it's disgraceful what Jamasia has done. It's disgraceful that Leopard has enabled this to happen. And it's annoying that once again the stewards who are meant to be, you know, hold, upholding a standard of an inherently dangerous class of motorsport is enabling 
dive bombs to the point where people are being taken off off the track entirely. It's a joke. It's a joke from everybody involved, and it's it, it's it sucks that I've got to lose my dander about MotoGP for like the feels like the fifth time this season. Trey, we got one more weekend. We got one more one weekend of it. More. I'm free after one more weekend. MotoGP season decider is at Valencia this weekend. We're racing at Valencia in the last week in November. I I I I, I don't even know anymore. Straight into testing, buddy. Yeah, Valencia test the day Still after don't know on who's Monday be on the other Honda. Yeah, we yeah. kind of know, but we, we kind of know, but you know, it's yeah, we're, we're days out and uh, we don't know technically. What a time to be alive! What a what a shit show of a season we've had in in MotoGP, and it it will end on Sunday with either Francesco Bagnaia or. Jorge Martin is your 2023 MotoGP World Champion. It's probably the man on the factory bike, but hey, probably you never you never know. We'll have to wait and see how we go. But uh, Valencia is like the least likely round for an upset in the form book. So let's see how let's see how that plays out. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King, Cam Buckley, and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for the season finales of F1 and MotoGP next week until then thanks for listening sayonara later y'all bye yeah if you're gonna ride someone off the road don't look over your shoulder multiple times first before you do it (laughs) is somebody watching me is somebody watching me (laughs) Or or you grab the chain. You grab the chain out of their hand mid-swing, and then you start wailing on them. I've played enough Rogue Rash. I know how this works.